Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. I'm so glad that you're able to join us tonight for a look into the Word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, I want to share with you tonight about the creative power of God in your world, the creative power of God in your world. And as you can see, we're still under construction here at the house in our office, and no, I didn't forget to do my laundry. Those uh, towels behind me uh, are just a remnant of our wonderful Sunday, having baptized about 25 people in the precious name of Jesus, and uh, we just haven't taken the towels back to the church yet, and I felt like just leaving them there just as a reminder to you and to me of the goodness of God, and what a wonderful day and an atmosphere all the way around from our worship time to the message to the baptisms. It was such a fun experience to watch people go down in the name of the Lord and come back up brand new in Christ, having put on Christ. And you could just see on the faces of those that were baptized such a wonderful joy and rejoicing. And so we're very, very thankful for what God is doing at Spirit of Grace Church. Praise God. The creative power of God in your world. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And I won't take time to read the rest of chapter 1 tonight, but uh, we're going to be referring back to that chapter often as we talk about this. Really, when you think about it, the Bible starts at quite a pace. I mean, if I was reading the Bible for the very first time, and I just picked it up, and I started at the beginning, and by the end of the first chapter, I'd be saying to myself, this book is going to be a page-turner. There's so much information in this first chapter. It's a gripping opening, really. There are literally thousands of sermons still waiting to be preached out of just this first chapter of the book of Genesis. There are so many ways in which this passage reveals uh, to us uh, about God, about his nature, about his character. I could speak tonight about him being eternal in the beginning, uh, God. We could teach about his creativity, his power. We could teach about his holiness, his providential care. His that's he, that he's, It could go on and on. And it's all right here in the first chapter on the first page of the Bible. There's so much about the greatness of God that we could spend years and years and not really cover everything. And as I was thinking about tonight, I began to think about the creation account and what we see here of God's power. And suddenly, I, be I believe the Lord began to remind me uh, over the last couple of days about the creative ability that he is still at work at today. He's still doing it. He's still releasing his creative power. Uh, now, as far as we know, God is not creating planets or stars or animals any longer. The Bible says it was finished. Uh, he's completed it. But Jesus did say in John 5 that God has been working until now and I've been working. Another translation says, my father never stops working. God never stops working. God is always active. He speaks today and things happen. Romans chapter 4 states that Abraham believed God who quickeneth the dead and calleth, that's written in the present active tense, calleth those things which be not as though they were. Uh, Paul, through the story of Abraham, is 
believing that the great creator that spoke to Abraham is still speaking and things are still being brought forth by his word of his mouth. And so therefore, there's nothing impossible with God. And uh, today, as I look at this chapter a little bit further, the very foundation of the world, if you will, I want you to see the same unchanging God from that point at the very beginning who did all of the creation that you see and you touch and you dwell in today. He wants to move by his power personally in your life and create something for his glory. There is a law of physics uh, known as the second law of the thermo, of thermodynamics. And you may have heard it quoted before because it's one of the fundamental principles of physics. And, and uh, a lot of times people use the second law of thermodynamics to uh, refute the theory of evolution. Uh, and it simply says this, basically, in, in some of my terminology, that in every process, physical, natural, biological, industrial, techno technological, if something that is in a state of order is left alone without any force or influence being applied to it, it will not improve, but rather it must move to a state of disorder and then ultimately to a state of chaos. Uh, the, the official term is entropy. And uh, you know what this law states really by your everyday life. Your car rusts, your clothes wear out, your house will eventually have leaks that need to be repaired, and if it's never touched, if it's never kept up, all three of those uh, would eventually turn into chaos. Uh, therefore, in the argument against evolution, a single cell amoeba or blob, if you will, cannot crawl out of a primeval swamp and evolve themselves into a complex human or animal uh, life form. It's just not possible. It's, it goes against the, the law, second law of thermodynamics. And, but uh, I want to look at that law for a second for a different reason. Not only is it a convincing argument against the concept of evolution, it also is, illustrates something that I believe is equally true in the spiritual realm. Whenever we leave God out of our lives, anything that was working grinds down to a halt or goes into a state of disorder and ultimately to complete chaos and devastation. Uh, order returns to void, if you will, or to without the creative life-giving power of God. If you don't have God creating in your life today, you're not, your life is not going to be better. Your life is going to devolve into chaos and into disorder. Really, if you are a history, if you study history at all, or if you're a history buff, a history of all nations, every nation is a testimony to this. To the degree that nations throughout history have honored God and have honored his word, uh, where Christianity has flow, flow, flourished, if you will, they've always experienced the hand of God in blessing. There's always been law and order and great freedom and even oftentimes prosperity. <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible states that righteousness exalts a nation. Therefore, those nations who have rejected God for idolatry or no God at all, have just become paganistic, um, have all receded into gross darkness, anarchy, and oftentimes even into bondage. And so you think about the countries that are around us, like uh, Australia, America, England, um, countries that have led the world in advancement and prospered, 
and that has been the legacy of the gospel uh, light, really, the light of the gospel in our societies when we were founded. But look at it today, the light is flickering at an all-time low. The fastest-growing religion in uh, Australia is Islam, and it's also the fastest-growing uh, religion now in America. Many of our laws are no longer Christian-based laws. At the same time, some of the nations that were once in pagan darkness are beginning to blaze with the light of Christianity, the light of Christ. And if that trend continues, and I believe it possibly will, then the tables will turn and God will exalt those nations to leadership. And uh, thankfully, I believe that God is getting ready for that final day that very soon when the glory of the Lord shall cover the, the whole earth and the waters as that covers the sea. The king is coming. He's going to set up rule. He's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. His light will be will govern every place on the planet uh, from the east to the west. And so I'm excited about that day. But until that day comes, you can see in the nations there's this principle of the second law of thermodynamics. When you, replay, when you remove the thing that gives the order in the first place, uh, everything will fall into disorder and even into chaos. And uh, I believe that is also the case with us as individuals, and I want to look at that tonight on an individual basis. Let me state it this way. Just as God created all things out of nothing, to the degree that we submit our personal lives to him, God is still able to create something beautiful even out of tragedy, calamity, chaos of our personal lives. And so I want to just quickly for the next couple of minutes here uh, step into seven areas of Genesis 1 that I believe if we would, would do the, the same and bring God into these different areas, we would see a major uh, creative force of God in our lives. In verses 2 and 3, first of all, he turns darkness to light. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and so God said, let there be light, and there was light. I, I don't know, I've kind of grown up somewhat in the city, let me say in the suburbs, but uh, I've been in the country in Delaware where we lived when we drove out in amongst the Amish country. Um, there was no street lights, and if you got out there in the middle of a night where the moon wasn't shining, there wasn't any stars, it was pitch black. Darkness that was so deep that you literally couldn't see your hand in front of your face, and every step you took was unnerving because you didn't know where you were taking your next step. And that's really, unfortunately, a picture of many people's lives. Um, without the light of God, without the revealing the Bible says his word is a lamp unto our feet. Without the light of God, without his truth, there's just darkness. And people don't know where life is taking them. They don't know where their journey is taking them. They don't know what their future holds. And everything is filled with uncertainty and confusion. And maybe you are listening tonight and you're either going through that right now or you remember those days where your life was in total chaos. Imagine what the darkness was on was like on day one of creation, before God had established the source of light, intense darkness. And then God spoke into that darkness, let there be light, and all of creation just lit up. Uh, sight and warmth was everywhere in just that instant. God had to do that in my life. Thank God it happened to me. 
just like the apostle in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, I was raised in the church, but I still had my seasons of darkness. I was in darkness. I didn't have any answers. Didn't I couldn't hear God's voice. I couldn't feel God's presence. I couldn't even really grasp from uh, right from wrong, wisdom from foolishness. I wasn't sure which way was up. And then God spoke and everything changed. My night turned to day. And some of you have loved ones who have heard the gospel countless times and yet they're still away from God. The fact is, is you can put the truth right under their noses and they can't see it because of the darkness. Darkness that thick that just right in front of you, you can't see. They need an infusion of God's light so that they can see it. Don't try to win the battle through debating and arguing. Win the battle through prayer and releasing the light of God into their lives. And when God finally does let the, or they let the light of God shine forth into their life, they can see and make their decision as to whether they want to follow the light or to stay in darkness. I find it interesting that the ninth plague that Moses released upon the land of Egypt because Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go was the plague of darkness. And if you read Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 to 23, it says that darkness was so thick that it could be felt. It was so intense that no Egyptian moved from their bed for three days. And yet while the Egyptians were in their utter darkness, just down the road, the Israelite slaves had their light or they had light in their dwellings. They, they weren't dealing with this intense darkness. And you want to know what that tells me? That tells me something very simple. That is, there may be darkness all around you, but wherever God commands the light, it shines. Listen, we are living in a dark world. We are walking amongst dark people. But just because the darkness is all around us doesn't mean that God's light can't shine in our life. There's going to be dark moments in everyone's life. There's still dark moments in my life. There's moments when I'm confused about which direction to go, which road to take. But when I see the Lord, his light comes flooding in every time. I open up the word of God and the entrance of his word brings light to my life. You see, when we bring God into our world, he turns darkness to light. Uh, if you've been living in darkness for a long time, my challenge to you tonight is come out of the darkness. Step into his light. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9 says uh, that we should declare his goodness for he that brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Secondly, after he turns darkness to light, we see God stepping into our world and he will turn chaos into order. If you read verses 6 to 10 of Genesis 1, there's light now, but still nothing is stable. There's nothing organized in any way. It's still chaos. Uh, the Bible uses the word void. Then God speaks again, and this time he separates the earth and the sky, so you have an atmosphere. He's, he's structuring it. He's creating structure out of chaos. Then he speaks again, and the great continents of land rise from the oceans, and God brings everything together in an ordered environment. Have you ever felt like everything is out of order in your life? Your environment, your life's environment is nothing is fitting together properly like it should. 
Uh, I've heard people say, use terms like, well, nothing ever works out right, or my personal life's a mess, my career's in shambles. That's not how I like, planned life to be. Everything seems to be falling apart in chaos and disorder. There's only one sure way I know of to have your life move from chaos and disorder to peace and order. You need God's creative power. I need God's creative power. Put your life in his hands and let him direct you and then obey what he says completely. And if he can organize everything from revolving solar systems right down to microscopic organisms and have it all working in perfect harmony, I think he probably has the power and the wisdom to bring peace into my life and peace into your life and to build the fragments of our chaos and our disorder into something that makes sense. Now, see, I believe that God has a plan for you. I, I, I believe he has a perfect plan, and yet I know people who even claim to be Christians chasing their tails. Their family has become dysfunctional. Their finances are in a mess. Their relationship problems in abundance, and they're constantly in upheaval. Why? Because too many are trying to live their life according to their own wisdom and to achieve their own goals. Moreover, when you're calling the shots, I want you to hear this. When you're calling the shots, God's not. When you're calling the shots, God's not. When you do not allow him to step into your chaos and your disorder and dictate the direction uh, for you to become what he wants you to become, you have become devoid of his creative power. You have shut down what the Bible says. You have quenched the spirit. You have quenched the creative power of God in your life. The good news, however, is that all it takes is an act of repentance, uh, an, an act of turning around and seeking God, and there's no chaos too great. There's no disorder that he can't turn around and put purpose to it and put things lined up and put the puzzle pieces back together. The Bible even says that we are a house fitly framed together as the body of Christ. God knows exactly what he's doing. So if you're in chaos or disorder, he'll speak into your existence creatively and create an atmosphere for you to begin to come together and be united with him. And that chaos and that disorder fades into darkness and light shines in and you begin to have order in your uh, world. And then thirdly, in verses 11 to 13, if we bring God into our world, into our orb, into our lives, he turns barrenness to life. Verses 11 to 13, we see God has a stable, organized environment now. There's light there, but there's nothing growing yet. There's no life until God speaks with his creative power again, and then immediately the grass and the herb and the fruit trees appear and they begin to, to flourish. Me personally, I'm useless in a garden. In fact, it's probably worse than useless. I'm probably a liability in a garden. Some people could say the same thing about the state of their lives. No matter what they try, nothing seems to grow. No matter what job they try, no matter what career they try to pursue, no matter who they try to hang around, no matter what they try to, nothing grows. Everything seems to just always be a heartbreaking effort. There never seems to be any fruitfulness or success uh, avenues in their lives for all the hard work that they do. See, when Adam was expelled from the garden and intimacy with God was broken, God told him that the ground was now cursed 
and every blade of every crop would need to be produced by blood, sweat, and tears. It wasn't, in, it wasn't that lush garden any longer that just produced everything on its own in perfection. Adam was cut off from God, and it was all ruined, just like you and I are basically cut off from God. And from that day forward, we toiled for everything. Weeds overran everything. Proverbs thirteen fifteen said it this way, The way of the transgressor is hard, and we were all transgressors at one time. Jesus said in John 15 that the way to have a fruitful life, see, what, what the nice thing about God is he reveals in his word how messed up we are, but then he gives us the answer to get it fixed. The way to have a fruitful life or a life that is productive, a life that blooms, is to be connected to him. John 15 talks about the vine, I in him and he in me. One must be vital in union with him so that God's power can transform us from barrenness to life. Is life too hard today? Is everything you're trying seeming to fall short? Do you seem like everything you do, you fall flat on your face? Maybe it's time to relinquish all those efforts and build that relationship in God so his creative power can then begin to speak life into the barren nature of your life. I believe that he wants to do that. I believe as much as he wants to create light to create order. He also wants to create life in the barrenness of our spirits. The next thing here, the fourth thing, when we bring God into our world, uh, when that creative force of God comes to us, he turns, em he turns empty years to full seasons. Verses 14 to 18, before God hung the sun, the moon, the stars, there could be no fluctuation. There was no seasons. There was no ebb and flow of the tides. There was no changing of the days. All there was was the passing of time. And I, I hear people talk about the meaningless of life. And some get to the point where they're even ready to give up on life itself, not for its hardships, but for its boredom, for its monotony, because they've begun to live their life with no purpose other than to get to Friday night or to get to the weekend to where they can get lost in, in the things of the world. And really, that's not a new issue. King Solomon found whenever he looked, on, on earth, looked at life on earth or looked through earth to see the life that was living uh, without reference to God, he, he found it meaningless. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he uses the words meaningless, meaningless, life is meaningless, it's all in vain, it's just the passing of time. Without God, we exist, but nothing more. You see, only God can turn empty years into full seasons. There's something right now, as, as I'm speaking, we are in, in America, we are dealing with some very cold temperatures, a lot of snow, all the way down even into Texas, where the power has been out because of the, the snow and the ice. But having grown up here in Minnesota, the one thing that I do like about it is we tend to have four distinct seasons. Now, Right now, we're living in the winter season. It's cold. It doesn't seem like there's much growing out there, but really, there's things that are getting ready to bloom in just a few more weeks. Uh, the, the, the temperatures will rise, the snow will melt, and we will begin to see spring, and the grass will turn from brown to green. The buds will come back on the trees and plants, and we will then go into a very green season of the spring, into the hot season of summer, 
and then we go into fall and the leaves start to fall and the colors start to change before we're back into our winter season. I like the seasons. Uh, I'm not one that complains too much. Even in the cold snap that we've had, it's only been a few days. And uh, and I'm looking forward now to the warm-up that's on its way and and things of that nature. But seasons are wonderful, and each one of them has their own particular beauty. In the spring, it's the brand new green. It's the it's the grass changing colors, the leaves coming out, the flowers starting to bud. In summer, it's the sunshine and the warmth. It's uh, it's it's something that you can go out and enjoy the outdoors. In the fall, there's a briskness in the air. The colors begin to change, and there's nothing more beautiful than to drive out into the outskirts of Minnesota and see all of the colors that are changing. And then even winter, that new fallen snow, it's such a pretty picture of landscape that you and I in Minnesota are able to enjoy. And then after a while, we're ready for the green of spring to come back. But there's a rhythm to it. Only God creates that. I, I, there's no, no other way. He's the one that hung the, the stars and the moon and the sun, and he marked out the seasons. Only he can make the days and weeks flow together in rhythm. Only he can put meaning and purpose into life. You see, as a Christian, God never promised that everything was going to be smooth and easy in this world. In fact, he said it different. He said, in this world, you will have, you will have tribulations. Uh, we experience those difficult seasons, the trials, the hardships. However, God even makes those times, those winter times, if you will, spiritually, have purpose. And you soon, soon learn that all things really do work together for good to them that love God and then to them who are called according to his purpose. And as you look back in your life, 2020 is supposedly hindsight, and I'm not talking just the year, but as you look back and you see all the tough times and you see all of what God has done in your life through those times, you may even find yourself glad that you had to experience some of them because God has turned your empty years into full seasons. Praise God. The, the fifth thing here, when we bring God into our world, he, he wants to turn or he turns want into abundance. Verses 20 to 25. So far in this passage of Genesis, we have seen in creation there's only plant life. The earth has no inhabitants. And then God speaks again and the waters stir with life and every kind of fish and sea creatures, schools and schools of millions of species and varieties come into existence. The air is filled with birds of all kinds, the animals, all different exotic types. They fill the earth for, from want to abundance by the simple word of God's mouth. Without God, life is impoverished. This has nothing to do with money. You can be the richest person in the world and still live a bankrupt life. Uh, God has caused the waters and the air and the land in my world to stir with life. And the more I yield to him, the more his creative power can be active in my life, and therefore the more of his abundance flows. Doors of opportunity spring forth in abundance. Joy comes in abundance. Revelation and truth comes in abundance. Abundant wisdom. All of God's richest blessings begin to spring up because 
they've allowed the creative power of God into their worlds. You see, some people's world is so small, they have made it so confined. They never even see a new horizon is possible. They need God to speak abundance to their life. And uh, sometimes we don't understand that he came to give us abundant life. Not just life to get by, but a purpose and a challenge to reach to the heights. Which leads me to the sixth one. When we bring God into our world, he turns loneliness to love. Verse 27, God finally creates man and puts him in the garden. But in chapter 2, he explains how God saw that Adam was incomplete. That up until that point, after every act of creation, God said his verdict was, it is good. However, when he created uh, the man, Adam, he said it's not good. Uh, the creation was wonderful. Adam was a fine specimen. Nevertheless, it was not good that he was alone. And so God saw fit to create a woman and brought her to Adam. He saw the need and he created the answer by the word of his mouth. And how can you feel all alone among 7 billion people, 7 billion people, 7 billion people in this planet? People feel it every day. People who live in huge metro areas feel isolated and lonely. Loneliness is not about the number of people around you. It's about the number of people you're connected to. However, when God is in your world, his creative power can turn that loneliness into love. For me, he, God filled my longing for love with his own self. Then he gave me a great wife, gave me fantastic sons. He let me, uh, led me to awesome and loyal friends. He gave me the whole family of God. He fills my life now with love. He seems to have just continuously created it out of nothing. People just kind of show up in your life when you least expect it because he never wants us to be lonely. He wants us to be loved. That's his power. His power is what can turn things around and unite us with somebody else. And then finally, when we bring God into our world, he turns powerlessness into control. In verse 28, when God had created everything, he gave Adam dominion or mastery over all of what he had created. Uh, he said, you take care of this. Uh, really, what an awesome responsibility that he's given to Adam. And Adam did it. He named the animals. He tended the garden. Everything was working. Again, when he and God were separate, separated, things were thrown then into a, an uproar. And so for thousands of, you know, really thousands of years, man has been wrestling to control the great forces of creation that are in upheaval. In fact, the book of Romans says that all of creation is groaning because of the devastation of sin. People, you and I especially, we like to be in control of our lives, to work everything out just as we think it should be worked out in to be the best for us. The result is that our lives seem to get increasingly out of control. I don't know about you, but every time I have tried to control my life, it usually ends up out of control. Whenever I lock into what I think it should be and where I think I should go, invariably, those are the times where God causes some interruptions to happen. But really, the thing is, if we want to have control, 
we need to relinquish that control. Instead of grasping for the control, we need to relinquish it to God and let him be the Lord and master. You see, I've said this before, and I'll probably say it a hundred more times before the Lord comes back, but in God's economy, everything is the opposite to our own. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but the, the way to greatness is to become a servant. The way to grow up strong in God is to become increasingly like a little child. In fact, I've said it this way, the greatest conversion is not from sinner to saint, it's from adult to child. Because Jesus said it this way, unless you become like under one of these children, you'll not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's becoming like a child. Well, what's the difference between a child and an adult? Well, probably the biggest difference is as adults, we think we can handle it. As kids, we just relied on mom and dad. And unless we become like a child and rely 100% on our Heavenly Father, we are going to be miserable people. And so God does everything opposite of what we do. I remember several years ago when I started working on some computers and I was trying to undo the screws one day and they wouldn't budge. And somebody saw me struggling and they had mercy on me and they came over and they said, oh, these screws are, re- screws are reverse threaded. You're not undoing them, you're tightening them even more. To undo them, turn them the other way, turn them clockwise. It took me 15 years to figure out how to use a screwdriver and then they changed the rules. I- I'm just telling you, just but that's really what we are. God's kingdom is reverse thread. You can't do it the way it logically thinks to be done because God doesn't think in logical terms of man. He speaks and thinks in logical terms of deity who oversees all things. When you give up control or you yield your will over to his, he doesn't manipulate you like a puppet on strings. No, for the first time, he gives you back real control in your life. He's going to direct you and lead you But while he's doing that, he's also enabling and empowering you to manage your life properly with his entire blessing. Isn't that wonderful news? Paul wrote it this way in Galatians, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a strong mind. So the question tonight is simply this. After seeing what we experienced on Sunday... And what God has been doing over the last several weeks, really, and even months at our church. Have we figured out yet how to release the creative power of God into our everyday living? Sunday was phenomenal. Sunday was incredible. Words really don't express to what Sunday was. But there's a song out there today that that the first verse says, or second verse, I think, says, what if church on Sunday became the church on Monday and the church then on Tuesday and Wednesday? You see, I believe this. I believe God is still trying to speak creatively into our lives. Why wouldn't you want the great creator of the universe with all of his divine energy and power and wisdom Why don't you want him moving in your world? Why would you resist the pulling and the the tugging of his spirit on your heartstrings? Why would you resist the opportunity to be a part of something so great and powerful 
as the kingdom of God. Just as God created all things out of nothing to the degree that you will submit your lives and your personal world to God, he's able to create something beautiful from calamity and chaos and disorder, and he's able to give you a brand new direction. And maybe you say, well, my life's not really in chaos or disorder right now. Well, thank God for that. But are you ultimately working in his purpose? Are you moving forward in his word? Are you allowing God to use you like never before? Because if that's the case, if it's not the case, you're, you're not doing that really without realizing it. You've deceived yourself and your life is really in chaos. And God can bring it right back. He, he gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we should, call, that we should be called the planting or the creation of the Lord. We are here. We are alive and breathing, which lets me know that God has already spoken creatively into our lives because he's allowed us to be amongst creation. Just like Adam and Eve at the beginning. And just like Adam and Eve, we've got sin in our life that separated us from the presence of God. But God created a way for you and I to come back to him. My question is, is will you allow the creative power of God to speak into your life and allow you to step into a significance that you never imagined? If you'll do that tonight, would you just pray with me right now? Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. I thank you for this time that we've had together. God, I'm asking you to step into the person's world today that's in chaos and disorder. And maybe they don't even recognize it as that. But Lord, allow them to see it for what it is. And then call each one of us, Lord, back to a place with you where we're not reliant on the things of this world, but we are reliant totally and completely on you. We'll be careful to love you and praise you and worship you forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to thank you again for being with us tonight. May God richly bless you and have a wonderful rest of the week. And if you are local, we'll have service at 1030 on Sunday. If the Lord should tarry, we look forward to having you there. God bless and have a great day.